hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Candid Sharon. My name is Queen Joy, and I will be your host today and every other day. I hope y'all have had a wonderful week. And if you checked out the episode I put out on Wednesday, I hope you enjoyed that. You know, I put that episode out for Bachelorette fans or people who enjoy reality TV. Now, the season that I'm doing commentary on just came out. So the first episode came out on Tuesday and the episode came out on Wednesday, albeit late on Wednesday, but came out on Wednesday. And so if you want to hop onto the Bachelorette and watch it along with me and Nardus and, you know, listen to our commentary as we go, please, by all means, go ahead. We are really enjoying doing the you know, the weekly, I mean, we just started doing it, but it was really fun doing it on Wednesday as well, doing that. So I hope y'all can join us on that fun, fun discussing the bachelorette tip. Anyway, um, I, if you listened to last week's episode, you may have noticed it was a little, uh, racy. I gave like, I think I gave a disclaimer seven times about how racy this episode was going to be. And that's, if I could just summarize that episode, Basically, I was complaining about Trump, and the reason I was complaining about Trump is because he's racist, and because Trump is racist, I was complaining about America, because America continues to support a racist Trump. So that was pretty much the entire episode summarized, and I was just talking about how personal politics is in the US. And then this weekend, on Saturday, well, this last weekend, I watched the movie on Netflix, the new documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. And it was basically just talking about ads and the role of Facebook and Google and all these companies, the roles that they play in today's society, roles that we may not even realize, right? How they basically push people further because they're just using machines, right? Machines that learn from your interests. And if you're interested in something, that machine will just feed you more of that thing. And how that has contributed to the polarization of the world right now, right? People who are right-wing are just more right-wing now than they were like five to ten years ago and people who are left-wing are more left-wing than they were five to ten years ago and how social media has played a huge impact in that and ai in general has played a huge impact in that and they were just talking about this whole polarization and i started thinking about the episode that i put out last week uh the it's a little political and i was like okay I would never want someone to listen to an episode of Candid Sharon and come out of it feeling like they have, I have, like I've made them hate someone or made them feel like they must hate someone um, because I don't believe in, you know, canceling people or stuff like that. And so I think I wanted to talk a little bit more about that today, sort of just as a, I, I figured it would now would be an appropriate time to have this episode soon after I had last week's episode just because I want to add some padding to that and so yeah last week's episode gave birth to this week's episode so in this week's episode um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this idea of polarization and worldview in general And yeah, I'm just going to start by talking about how I think the world that we live in today, and I think for the longest time, actually may not even just be our generation thing or our era and time thing, but I think generally we sort of look at people, when we think of people who've done bad things or people who've done extremely good things, we think of people as falling on a binary scale, 
right? So we think of someone is either good or they're bad. And honestly, this is not just for people who've done really bad things or really good things. But I think sometimes we're very fast to place people on a binary scale, right? If we find out someone has done something bad, something that for us is like just such a terrible thing and it's objectively a terrible thing most of the times, we automatically mark that person as being bad. And then if someone has done an incredible thing, we automatically mark that person as being a good person. But I want to suggest that none of us actually exist on that binary scale, right? By nature of being a human being, we have we are selfish beings. We look out after after number one. And that takes us away from... being good. Because imagine a world in which everyone looked out for no one but themselves, then that world would not be a good world, right? So because it is not a good thing for us all to look out for ourselves and no one else and just think of number one, I think, yeah. I mean, so if you think about that, then we say that no one person, just by nature of being person, no one person is good. Even if you are the kind of person who lives a completely selfless life, everyone has those thoughts about... Oh, like we all have that like bad thought that maybe sometimes we have to pull ourselves back and say, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, you shouldn't think like that or whatever. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is no one is perfectly good. Similarly, I want to propose that no one is perfectly bad. Right. So this weekend I watched a movie called American Murder, The Family Next Door. Now, if you have had some form of face to face contact with me or even if you work with me, <laughs> chances are... Oh, over the last week since I watched this movie on Sunday, I have mentioned this movie to you and recommended it. If you watch, if you like watch my Facebook or Instagram stories sometimes, I recommended this movie soon after I was done watching it. Just because it's one of those movies that... Uh, it's not a horror movie, so it's not going to like give you any jump scares or anything like that. It's not intended to frighten you, I don't believe. It's a documentary, and I came across it because I'm trying to get more into documentaries. And while this is not like typical documentary, it's... I whatever I like reality things this is my weakness alas that's why I watch 90 day fiance so much and that's why I'm doing a whole commentary of the bachelorette with Nardos anyway so I'm trying to get into documentaries and I come across this thing called American family American murder the family next door and basically if you watch that man after I watched it I just I don't even know how to explain it I've been thinking about this movie Almost every night. I think the first night I went to bed without thinking about this movie was last night. But ever since, which which was Wednesday night. But ever since I watched this movie, like Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, it literally kept kept me up at night just thinking about what I had just saw slash heard about. Right. And then I ended up doing, I think two days ago, a quick Google search about what happened to this person who committed these murders and it was just insane. It was insane. And I really recommend watching this movie. Uh, it's a really good movie. All of it is raw footage. But anyway, the reason I bring up this movie in the context of this discussion, I was like about to go on a whole review of this movie if I hadn't held myself back there. But the reason I bring this episode up in the context of this discussion is because when I look at a man like that, when I look at a person like that who is presented in this movie, I just think you are like the scum of the earth. You are a complete psychopath. You are horrible. Like, how could you ever do that? And then I also have to step back and think to myself, no. Like, this person has done, a, like, an objectively horrible, terrible thing. And I believe they should go to prison for that. They deserve to be punished for what they have done. But they are not the scum of the earth. Okay, depending on how you define the scum of the earth. But this person is not complete evil, right? They're not complete bad. 
maybe they have lesser good or more evil or whatever, but they're not completely bad. And I bring this up because I think we're so quick in instances like that, when we think about a person like that, I really recommend watching this movie. But when we look at people like that, we're so fast to place that person on the scale of good to evil and they automatically fall on the evil scale. I'll give another example. Um, just this last week again, I was just like scrolling through Apple News on my phone and then I came across this video, which was like an audio. It wasn't a video. It was an audio news report, whatever. And it basically ended up leading me to a Google search where I was looking up this family. I think they're called the Stoffer family or something along those lines. They're basically this white family and they have a YouTube channel and their YouTube channel sort of gained a lot of traction and gained a lot of followers when about five years ago they adopted a child right so they adopted a kid from china it was this young little boy and i think they adopted him as a baby they were raising him and like people you know people love a good adoption story and so people were really eating this up and enjoying watching their story this little boy's name was huckley and man such a cutie like huxley is such a cute he's, he's such a cute boy but then all of a sudden, so he was in most of their videos, right? Because it's their YouTube channel. And then all of a sudden, Huxley just stopped showing up in their videos after about four or five years, I think, of having this kid. And then people started asking, you know, it's been a while since we've seen Huxley in your videos. What happened to Huxley? What happened to Huxley? And then the couple ended up putting up a video explaining what had happened. And what happened is that they essentially rehomed this kid. And what this means is they technically, like, in... The long and short of it is they gave the child back. Now, when I heard that, I was like, that's insane. And you can imagine the internet just came after these people with like keyboard forks and pitches and knives. And people were so mad at them, you know, people were doing all these videos talking about how like she's a narcissist and their families just like both the couples are narcissists. And they essentially adopted this child just as a publicity stunt, as a way to get more followers. And they essentially pawned the child and people were angry. People were so mad at them. And I can understand why they were mad at them. And they lost so many followers. Like they had millions of followers on their YouTube channel and they lost quite a bit. Like they haven't lost all of them, but I think they maybe lost like, I would say maybe half or so of their followers because of the whole rehoming incident. And then I just have to be honest. I don't think, I would imagine that one day if I were to adopt a child, like a baby and raise them and watch them take their first steps and feed them and wake, wake up in the middle of the night to change their diaper. I wouldn't just give a child back, right? There has to be something deeper to them giving this child back. It can't just be like, we're done using you. Okay, bye. Right. And so I started doing a little bit of a, of research, just like quick Google searches, you know, as we all call them research. And, <laughs> and, um, that's not what my job is, by the way, I, I do research as my job, but I'm not just doing Google searches anyway. I digress. I digress. Um, and I did a quick Google search about this whole process of rehoming and the article I opened up and read, which I like took the most out of was a woman who was talking about how she herself had rehomed and she felt that people were being a little unfair to the Stoffer family. I think that's what their name is. And she was talking about how generally the way that adoption works is when you adopt a child, you are supposed to be presented with that child's history. And so that's like family history, medical history, um, 
psychological history just all the information you need to know about the ch- about that child so you can know whether this really is a child that the child you're looking for and a child that you can take care of if they have any challenges right be they like mental cognitive physical behavioral you know you want to make sure that you're getting a child who you actually have the means to take care of right and so this article was talking about how normally a lot of us because all of this is happening in the us a lot of us um adoption agencies are very good with that they're very diligent with making sure that a child like potential adoptive parents know the child's history but a lot of international adoption agencies tend not to be because they just want to push for these children to be adopted right and so that apparently happens a lot with kids coming from outside of the US who are being adopted by american families or maybe just in general i'm not too sure but i got the like impression of it the impression that they were talking about american families adopting kids from uh, abroad right so what happens is sometimes like a child may have a behavioral issue right and maybe this child has been rehomed multiple times and as it turns out a child who has been rehomed is more likely to be rehomed again than a child who has never been rehomed so basically if you've been rehomed 5 times you're more likely to be rehomed again than someone who's only been rehomed once right or someone who's actually never been rehomed you're more likely to be rehomed than them right so when parents get these children and then they decide to take care of them apparently the article is to, i will just add a link to the articles so that i don't turn this episode into a summary of that article i'll add the link to it it was a really good article i really recommend you read it check it out basically these ad- these behaviors end up coming out right whether a child is uh bad behavioral issues or the- a child has some form of like learning disability or this stuff will always end up coming out and then what happens is sometimes the parents the adoptive parents are just like we don't have the means to take care of this child and in in Huxley's case it was a behavioral issue i believe i no i take i think i take that back i think the lady was talking about how the child she had adopted and ended up rehoming had a behavioral issue but for some reason my mind thinks Huxley also had Huxley being the stuff of family's adopted son for some reason i think Huxley also had behavioral issues but basically this stuff always ends up coming out right and sometimes it's like oh yeah but you adopted this child you basically when you adopted them you took on the responsibility to take care of this child and Yeah, that's true, right? You're t- deciding to become this child's parent. And in being a parent, you don't get to get to pick and choose what your child struggles with and what your child suffers with, right? But people should present you with adequate information if they know it. But then as I was thinking more about and as I was going down this line of thought more and more, I started thinking, so imagine if you adopt a child, right? Like place yourself in the position where you adopt a child and then that child You know and they they seem they're like a healthy perfectly healthy child. They seem to be a perfectly healthy child. But then you find out later that they have like stage 3 cancer for example and you are just like financially struggling. Like you literally live from paycheck to paycheck and you have no means of taking care of this child and you know that there's a higher chance of this child surviving by rehoming them and getting them a family that can actually afford to get this child the treatment they need because if they stay in your care there's a solid chance that this child is just going to not get the treatment they need and the worst is going to happen right and so i would imagine that if i were placed in that situation i, I one day i have to think about this because one day i do want to adopt a child i in fact i want to adopt multiple children one day in 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 my future and if i were to find myself in this position where i was financially just unable and i'm not talking about you you could take care of the child i mean 
I like it's just literally impossible to take care of this child without becoming a criminal and doing criminal activities. I would imagine that I would need to put my own my selfish desires to keep taking care of this child and to keep being in this child's life and being this child's parents aside and think about this child's long term future. And if the option of rehoming to a family that could actually provide the care that this child needed was there, I would do the same. So this is like my reaction through doing this research. I went from this family is crazy. They are terrible for doing this to I think I understand where they're coming from. Now, my problem with cancel culture is that that step never happens. Cancel culture says you have rehomed your child. You're canceled. I am going to unsubscribe from your YouTube channel and I'm going to tell my five friends to unsubscribe as well. Right. That's what cancel culture does. It has this snowball effect. When you cancel somebody, everyone else has to cancel them as well. Or at least the people you love ought to cancel them as well. Or the people you care about. It's just like, so that's the one thing. It has a snowball effect. And second of all, the, my problem with cancel culture is for the, la for the most part, it's uninformed. Right. Either it's un it's yeah, for the most part, it's uninformed. And then the third part is just it has it lacks any form of empathy, in my opinion. Mm, I take that back. It does. It's not that it lacks any form of empathy, but that it is not willing to extend a hand of empathy or a hand of like trying to put myself in your shoes or or trying to see the person as a whole. Right. It takes this one thing that someone has done and forms their identity around that thing. Right. So. I propose that we cancel cancel culture because cancel culture puts people on this binary of you're either good or you're bad and people just aren't that way. People are not good and people are not bad. We all, I don't know how you feel about yourself. Maybe you think you're just this amazing human being and I'm sure you're great. But the truth of the matter and the reality is none of us exist on this binary. So I think this is an important episode to present after last week's episode because I think I really did... I think, as I thought, I generally don't listen to my own episodes because I, I, I might start doing that very soon, but I struggle to hear my own work, especially soon after I put it out. So I'm the kind of person who will write an essay and submit it without reading it over. <laughs> so you can imagine that with this podcast, it, it would take a lot for me to go back and press play to listen to my own podcast after I publish it, right? So if I don't do that with work assignments that are graded, what more with something that is not? I digress. Where was I? Cancel culture. The problem with cancel culture is it doesn't give, it doesn't allow people room to I'm not saying we should, you know, encourage people to be bad and embrace like the bad sides of them because that society would just be so chaotic. But I think there's a certain element of extending the hand that we would want to be extended toward us as well, to people who have done things that are even terrible, including people who murder other people, including people who do terrible things to other people and people who've done bad things. So I mentioned my work earlier on and I said that like I'm in research, I, I do research. So the job that I do right now is I work at a, like in a clinical psychology trial. It's a, it's a lab. Basically we're doing research on, uh, just treatment, treatment programs that work best for fathers who have had recent histories of intimate partner violence. Right. And I meet with these men 
almost every day who come into the office and they have been referred to this program because they have had a recent history of intimate partner violence, right? Now, I also have to look at these people when they come in and I have to realize that even though they have done this bad thing that has landed them to them being referred to this program, and in many cases, it may be their first or second arrest for domestic or intimate partner violence, but chances are they have like, been the perpetrator they've abused someone multiple times before they have been referred to a program like this or they have been arrested right because a lot of times victims will just keep things to themselves and then at some point they're just like i've had enough or saw someone else sees it and then calls the cops anyway yeah so i when these men come in and i have a wonderful conversation with them and i you know they make me laugh i make them laugh and we just you know in the five minutes that i get to spend with them and see them face to face and interact with them like we're all smiles, we're all good. It doesn't take away from the fact that they have done a terrible thing, but them ta- but them having done a terrible thing also shouldn't take away from the fact that when I meet with them, I have a good conversation with them, right? Because just like this person who's standing in front of me, I also have done things. I also have bad sides of me that like maybe I haven't done maybe I haven't physically done something to someone else. Right? Maybe I've never battered someone. Or I've never like called someone names and or something along those lines. But there are like opinions that I hold that are maybe countercultural. There are like things, thoughts that I've had that are not good thoughts and I shouldn't, sh- I should never have had in a perfect world. But the difference between this person standing in front of me and me is that I know the bad side and they just don't know mine, right? And this is everyone's reality. This is like all of our realities is that we might know someone else's bad side, but they don't know ours. And if they knew ours, we might just be like at the same level. Maybe, okay, I'm I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you probably haven't murdered people. <laughs> but I, and I hope you haven't, okay? But our transgressions may be of differing levels, but we all have transgressions. Again, back to the binary model, none of us fall on either good or bad. And I feel like, yeah, I don't think we should even have this threshold of, yeah, but we might fall in the binary, but there's a threshold where like you've tipped over to like, we'll, we'll bunch you with bad people. No, I don't think stuff like that should be a thing, right? Because people can always be redeemed. I have talked so many times about the justice system and I'll talk about it again when we talk about the Black Mirror episode, but I really do believe that the justice system, the role of the justice system is to restore people and to bring people back into society, right? It's obviously to punish people for the wrongs they have done, right? So if you have murdered people and you get seven life sentences, yes, there should be consequences to our actions, right? They should always like... Not even a should. There always are consequences to our actions. Straight from like the time we are young to the time we die, there's always consequences to our actions. When you're four and you're still learning, okay, maybe not four, when you're two and you're still learning how to walk and to run and you're still getting like, you're learning how to run, there are consequences to running too fast. And that consequence is natural. It's called falling. And so the next time you learn that, huh, I'm still learning to walk. Maybe I shouldn't run as fast. You know, maybe I should increase my speed little by little, little until I get there. Sometimes those consequences come through the people who take care of us. It could be your parent. When you're growing up as a child, that person, yes, probably your parent or your guardian or whoever takes care of you. They are the giver of consequences for bad things you do. If you grew up in Zim, it might also be your teacher at school. Wool. Anyway, we don't want to talk about corporal punishment in this episode. And then as an adult, in many cases, that punisher is the law, 
unfortunately and the law tends to be a little unforgiving right so it's a little less forgiving than the previous things it's less forgiving than falling it's less forgiving than a parent in most cases and so yes i do believe there should be consequences if, if you do something there should be consequences to your action but those consequences should have a form of restorative purpose right so when someone is sentenced to prison and the way that when someone is sentenced to prison or when someone is given some form of consequence, we should be thinking about what kind of person are we trying to produce at the end of this sentence? Is this someone who we want to be able to integrate back into society and live a normal restored life? And I feel like that answer should always be yes. Even if that person has been given life, a life sentence in prison, we don't want them to suffer their entire time in prison. We're hoping that at some point they realize what they have done and they have they pay their debt to society in some way, whether that's mentally or within themselves or physically. I don't know how how that debt is paid to society. But then we want that person to be restored, right? We want that person to realize that they've done a bad thing. And even if they're going to live out the rest of their time in prison, that they can live out a better life in prison. They can live out a nonviolent life in prison. They can live out a life where they are able to express themselves without inflicting pain or hurt on, so on someone else. And I guess the other side of it is the side where you put someone, putting someone on the good end of the spectrum, right? And I'm not going to say much about it, but there's a reason why they say never meet your idols or never meet your heroes. The phrase, it's one of those two phrases, but basically you don't want to meet those people because what happens when you meet them is you realize they're just as human as you are and they urge just like you do. But I do want to say that there are some things that are absolutes, right? Things, but not people. Things like racism are absolutely bad. Things like sexism are absolutely bad. Things like, you know, a lot of these isms are just generally bad things. Or, you know, things can fall on this absolute good and absolute bad spectrum. Love, for example, is absolutely good, right? But racism is absolutely bad. And you should hate such things, right? You should abhor such things but you should not hate someone who is racist you should not hate someone who is sexist you hate you should hate the racism not the racist you should hate the sexism not the sexist we always say don't hate the player hate the game and that's the same in this case right you should hate the thing itself but not the person because the thing has no hope for recovery racism will always be a bad thing there's no hope for recovery with racism but the racist there is hope for the racist there is hope for the sexist that they will cease to be sexist that they will cease to be racist we do not condone their racism uh, we do not say they are good people on both sides as some people said I, again i don't want to polarize so, yeah, we do not condone bad actions, but we do welcome people in for redemption, not to condone the bad things that they are doing. So this is my spiel about why I believe we, sh we should cancel cancel culture, because if we really stand to this whole cancel culture thing, let me tell you, it could be you who's getting canceled tomorrow uh, because of some opinion you held two years ago that people find out about now and cancel you for. And I think we should always remember that most of us hold that hot take or that interesting something that if someone else knew about, we might be canceled for. And I don't think, yeah, I just don't believe in cancel culture and we should cancel, cancel culture.
so I mentioned a lot of things that I think you should check out while I was talking about this. I think you should check out American Murder. American Murder. Yes, that's what it's called. American Murder, The Family Next Door. I think you should check out the article I mentioned about the Stoffer family, I think they were called. And... I mentioned The Social Dilemma. I think you should watch The Social Dilemma. It's a great documentary. It gets you thinking a little about... Yeah, I don't want to go into a review about that. But it's a pretty dope um, documentary that they filmed. So yeah, check out The Bachelorette. I keep saying The Bachelor, the Bachelor, But check out The Bachelorette, the new season. It honestly promises to be an exciting season. And if you already know what the spoilers are, and there's a lot out there already, please don't tell me. I am trying my hardest to stay away from the spoilers and I, like I don't I don't want to know what the spoilers are so if you're excited about the bachelorette by all means come over let's talk about it but don't give me any spoilers I beg um and we're gonna go off into we're gonna go straight into black mirror and I hope you enjoy that Season 2, Episode 4, White Christmas. And man, I just gotta start by applauding the writers of this episode. This is such a good episode. You haven't watched this episode and you're listening to this? I, I suggest going back to watch the episode. It is a bit of a long episode. It's an hour 15 minutes long, approximately. But it's such a good episode. So if you haven't watched, I'm definitely going to spoil the episode for you, right? So it starts off with the guy. I don't know if I want to give a summary. I'll give a summary. It starts off with the guy um, telling a story. They're in this, I can't really remember exactly what, how what the order of events is. But they're in this sort of cabin. And um, one of the guys, will call him Man A, asks Man B. So like, what are you doing here? You know, people don't just come here, even if it's a job or whatever. And it's all very eerie, like very... There's a lot of question marks around what this place is, where they are. And then the guy, Men A says, Men B doesn't answer. And then Men A starts telling stories about basically why he's there. And so he tells the story about why he's there. And pretty much this story has a lot of elements from, there's a lot of like the same feels from the entire history of you, which is season one, episode two, I believe. Uh, Just because it's got the whole video camera kind of idea in your eye and the difference here is that other people can see what you see in real time so that's the difference between this and the entire history of you so basically this man is doing this and he's running this man is but was running this sort of club with a bunch of other people where they would have one person go out and they would help this person go out and like pick up pick up a girl it was a group of all men and then they would basically just watch this person hook up with the girl Right. And so when this entire thing, this entire thing kind of fell apart when one of the guys died, essentially in the middle of this hookup thing. It was just this whole such an interesting story of how it happened. Anyway, man B, when he finishes hearing the story, is like, what the hell? So you're like some kind of pervert or whatever. Anyway, and then man B still refuses to tell his story. So man A tells a second story of, you know, what he does uh, in his career. And it turns out what he does is sort of... um. 
get someone's consciousness into this little thing, this little metal thing that they call a cookie. This is a lot of feels of, of Westworld. If you haven't watched Westworld, that's another show that I absolutely love and 100% recommend. I think I've mentioned this before, but it's the kind of show that... I need to rewatch episodes. I need to rewatch an episode before I can move on to the next episode. Just because there's so much to think about and so much to process, you kind of miss a lot if you just, you know, pass on to the next episode. Anyway, this has a lot of feels of Westworld and it has a lot of the questions of what is actually a person and what kind of being has rights. Because the what he does is he basically gets this person's consciousness into this little thing called a cookie. And then they put this cookie in a machine. And what the machine does is it's like a home assistant it's like an alexa or a google home or whatever other home assistant device uh, so what it does is that it basically because it's your consciousness it has your thoughts it knows what you want it knows what you like it basically controls your entire home right so it controls when your windows are open when your windows are closed it controls your toasters it controls like at what point is the bread done it controls the music if you want to wake up to music it controls what kind of music you wake up to basically it's the perfect home assistant right but the thing is like this consciousness this you that's in this machine honestly believes themselves to be a real person, right? And the way that they torture this person to get to submit to technically being a slave, honestly, that's what it is, in this machine is like they have this thing where they can manipulate experienced time. It's very cool. It has, I think it has a lot of like religious uh, feels to it in my head. Anyway, where they can manipulate time for the little cookie thing so that although it might, in real life, a minute might pass, but for the cookie you the cookie version of you it may be even 10 years that pass in that minute right so basically they essentially torture you and have you just sit there and do nothing for 10 years just to convince you that okay this job is worth doing because at least you'll have something to do right even if you're technically a slave and so when man b's done telling the story and this is his job he does this for a lot of people when Man A is done telling the story, Man B is like, oh my gosh, so you're essentially just enslaving these people. And Man A says, oh, I wouldn't think you would think that, you know, I would have, was not expecting that from you. Which kind of alludes to the idea that Man B must have done something terrible that Man A would think that Man B would, you know, consider, uh, would even think about this as slavery. So Man B at this point is now just shaking and he's like ready to tell his story. And it turns out that Man B, the Man B was in love with a woman and the woman got pregnant and she said, I want to get rid of it. And Man B essentially just like freaked out and was like, hell no, you're not getting rid of my baby. And then in their world, you remember like the first story in the first story, you can kind of see what other people see. And so it's, if you if they let you, you know, so essentially the way it works is like your vision can be controlled by someone else or some master operator or something, or even yourself. You have this like little remote thing that you can use to block people. So instead of like on social media, you know how when you block someone, they can't message you, you can't message them, etc. This essentially takes that into real life. And what it does is if you block someone, you can't see them and they can't see you. They can see your outline and they can just see a blob, like a white blob or whatever color blob, but they can't actually see you and you can't see them. And when you speak, it's all very muffled and they can't hear you. So essentially, because man B freaked out so much, his girlfriend blocked him and she did not lift the block. And then a few months later, Man B runs into his girlfriend in town because, 
the, the reason he knows is because he sees this blob walking and this blob is clearly pregnant the woman didn't get rid of the child and then he runs to her and like you know for everyone else who's seeing them they look like they're real selves but between the two of them they're the only ones who can just see blobs and so he's basically like trying to get into her way and trying to stop her and asking her like can you remove the blob but obviously she can't really hear what he's saying but the people around them hear and someone calls the police and then he gets arrested and you know basically what he has now is a court technically a court mandated block and what that means is he can't get rid of the block unless she goes to the court i suppose and a court mandated block also applies to children basically this guy ends up finding out that this girl had a daughter because he stalks her honestly that's what it is he follows her where she goes because he knows where she goes every christmas and obviously when she goes she takes the baby with her and after a couple of years he realizes that the child is a girl and then, you know, he's like, oh, I have a daughter or whatever. But he has to stay away from them because court-mandated blocks cover offspring as well. So he can't see his child either. And then one day when he's watching TV at home, he sees her face on the TV. Now, the thing with blocks is if you're blocked, it means that you can't even see that person in a picture. You can't even see them in anything. Like anything that shows them, you can't see their face at all anymore. But then he's watching TV and he sees her face. And the reason why her face comes up is because this she he's watching the news and this is a report of what happened. There was like a plane crash and she was one of the people who was in the plane crash and so she died. And when someone dies, the block dies with them. And so he realizes, oh my gosh, this woman is dead. Well, and then he's sad, he cries, whatever. But then he realizes he can see his daughter. So the next Christmas, he goes back to the house where he knows the girl used to go all the time. It was her dad's house. And he sees the little girl. And he walks up to her and he has this little gift for her written daddy. He walks up to her, touches her shoulder. Turns out this child is a completely different race to his own. And he adds the two, adds the two pieces in his head and realizes that the girl, the baby was not his in the first place. And it was actually their mutual friend's baby. So the, his girl had cheated on him. And so he walks into the house. He doesn't knock or anything. And the, like, the dead girl's dad is there. And... He's just so shocked. He sits down on the table and the dad is like, dude, what are you doing here? You know, she died, right? You shouldn't be here. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And then this guy in some moment of strange panic or whatever you want to call it, he basically hits the dad with this gift that he had bought for the girl. The, the, the gift is a snow globe. He hits the dad over the head with the snow globe and the dad essentially dies. This guy panics, leaves the house, leaving the child there alone in deep winter Right. And this is this the cabin where the dad lives is like in the middle of nowhere. And the girl dies because at some point she gets tired of waiting for her grandfather to wake up and she takes a walk outside. But there's a snowstorm and she's like five or something. And so she dies before she even gets far. You can still see her body from the house, essentially from the cabin. And so this this is White Christmas. And basically it all comes together because the element of blocking and the element of being able to see other people's view or having someone control your eyesight comes up in both Man A's first story and in Man B's story. And then the idea of the cookie is where the story comes together. Because it turns out this man, Man B, is not his real self. Isn't that crazy? Man B is not his real self. It is his cookie version that has been speaking to Man A this whole time. Because when Man B killed the girl's father, he went into, like, he kind of went crazy and he refused to tell his story to anyone for his own protection. And it turns out that Man B this whole time, what they did is they extracted his consciousness, put it into the little cookie. And now the cookie is the one that was put into this 
place, which is God knows where, we still don't know. And they basically brought this man whose real job, man, man A's real job is to like manipulate, is to do the whole cookie business. And what he does is he speaks to man B's cookie version, cookie version, not knowing that they're cookie version, they're believing they're the real version this whole time. And cookie, man B's cookie version confesses to the whole thing, right? So essentially what man A was doing was he had been hired by the police as um, to sort of get man B to crack and tell the truth about what happened in this case. And they did that using the cookie. But the catch is that Man A's first story about why he ended up in this place was not fake. It was a real story. And so the police are like, okay, so you've helped us with our case. And he says, does this mean I can go now? Like, I'm free to go? And they say, yes, you're free to go, except you're now blocked. And he says, blocked by who? And they say, by everyone. This man is now legally blocked by law. Like, he cannot see other people. Other people cannot see him. And when other people see him, they see the blob. But his blob is red. And I think that indicates, like, an offender of some form. And in this case, he would be considered a sexual offender, I would uh, assume. And so everyone who sees him sees just this red blob. And he has no social interaction anymore. So, man A, screwed. Man B, although he kept his mouth shut the whole time, he's cookie version spills the beans and so now he's going to prison they don't really say what's going to happen with him but i assume he's going to go to prison for a very very long time and that's white christmas oh my gosh i don't even know if i have anything more to say about this besides oh my gosh such a brilliant episode it's just one of those things that you just enjoy watching and then when it comes together you're like that and that, and that, and I mean, that's how I felt, and that's why I say this. Such a brilliant episode. Props to the Black Mirror directors, producers, those actors as well. They did an incredible job. I, there were so many plot twists that I did not see coming, like Man B's daughter turning out not to be his daughter at all. Ugh, plot twist, y'all. Or even the fact that Man A was... so this. By the way, this space, this place where Man A and Man B were, which was, was just like a simulation place. It wasn't a real place. And the fact that Man A and Man B were in the simulation place, crazy. And that it turns out that this thing is actually like a police investigation. That's insane. But then it got me thinking. I think outside of it being a brilliant episode, thinking about the idea of using this as a form of police investigation. I think there's two main ideas from this episode that I think were the biggest takeaways from me. First of all, is the whole taking your consciousness and making it work for you uh, is is a mini is like a non-biological version of you still you, even if it has your thoughts, even if it has your memories, even if it has your I mean, it, it, it has everything to do with you. It's like when we talk, when we think about cloning. Right. And. I think that's I think that's one of the ethical problems with things like cloning at least in my head it's like when you if you were to clone yourself if you were to be cloned would that version of you still be you would it have the same rights that you do as a human being would it even be considered a human being and I know they sheeped a, they they sheeped a clone they cloned a sheep sometime I think ages ago they cloned this sheep I think it got it got very famous and had a very catchy name something like Dolly or Polly but it's been done right so I think but I think it's generally been there's like a huge pause or even like stop button on the whole cloning business because while it's a great advancement for technology is it really a good advancement for humanity and ethics and our morality as a society right oh that that rhymed <laughs> anyway yeah so that's what I was thinking about when I was thinking about the whole um Alexa home assistant Google Google home assistant whatever it is the cookie thing cuz it was 
Yeah, I was like, this is pretty inhuman. You can't put a mini version of yourself. And just because this thing feels everything that you feel. Yeah, the question is here, what makes you you? What makes you a human? Is it just the fact that you were born of like a woman or you were born of, you know, like you were incubated in a, a human being for a while or you came from literally like a sperm and an egg? Like, what is it that makes you a human besides just that bi biological stuff? When you talk about, when you think about your consciousness and your thoughts and your emotions and your memories, that stuff adds to your humanity, right? But if we had all of that, if you had all of that and you took away the biological sense of it, you still had a body, but we took away the origins of that body. Would you still be human and would you still deserve the same rights? In my head, I say yes. But then it's complicated, right? It's like, it's like such a hard thing to process and try to think about. Because then in my head, I'm also thinking because I'm Christian, from like a spiritual point of view, you wouldn't have a spirit. But I, but I think that's a different discussion to be had in like a, a religious sort of context. But I think in the sense of like humanity and thinking about our humanness and the sense of the flesh, definitely I think that thing would deserve rights. Question is, does it deserve equal rights? I mean, if, if thoughts like these sort of excite you or get you thinking and you like this, I strongly recommend watching Westworld. It is on HBO, so that's kind of uh, hard to come by. If you are a Yale student, uh, you have HBO for free. Take that. That's something you can take away from Auntie Sharon today. Auntie Sharon taught you that if you're a Yale student, you have HBO for free because Yale gives you a free Xfinity subscription. So just look up Xfinity on campus on google and you're good to go so you're welcome go watch westworld as a way of saying thank you <laughs> and let me know what you think i mean if 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 this sort of train sort of train of thought excuse me excites you or interests you now the second thing that i thought was interesting about the episode was also i think all my questions are like is this ethical is this something that should be done right is the whole police investigation using the cookie element of things because while I think it does like it does a lot in terms of actually getting the truth out of people I think it's great I think it would be great for police investigation and stuff but my question is what happens to the cookie after um, I have no more use for it what if I decided one day that I no longer want my home assistant and so I want to get rid of it does the little cookie inside still feel my I guess honestly you could probably just get rid of that but should you should you be able to get rid of that? And also, is it okay? Is that sort of like investigation? I wouldn't know what the law looks like, but I would. I don't know whether that would actually be a legal way of performing investigations right now because you're still getting the truth from the same person. But also the other thing that I thought was terrible was the torture element of it because after they found Man B guilty, after he confessed, what they did is was they went off for their Christmas break and in the meantime, they left him in this realm of nothingness in fact, his realm of nothingness wasn't really a nothingness. It was a torture space, which was basically um, him in the cabin where he killed his ex-girlfriend's father. And he could see the young girl's body outside and the globe that he used to kill the father was right there. And it was in, the, in that same cabin. And it was like, I don't know. I, as I mentioned, if you listen to the White Bear, my White Bear review or thought spiel, whatever, I do think there should be an end to punishment. There should be an end goal to punishment. Like, why are we punishing someone this way? And what are we trying to get out of it? What kind of person are we trying to get on the other end of it? Are we trying to get a person on the other end of it? And I think the answer should that should to that should always be yes. And it should be we're trying to get someone who 
can be restored and redeemed and brought back into society right now i know that is that is my naive point of view I recently watched a movie, as I mentioned earlier on, called American Murder, The Family Next Door. And that really got me thinking whether I actually think that's true in every case. But that's a different story. Yeah, this has been kind of a lengthy review slash summary of the episode. But I really hope you enjoyed that episode of Black Mirror. It is such a good, good episode. And if you haven't watched it, even if I've spoiled all this, I really recommend going back to watch it. And if you watched it already, watch it again. Why not? And with that, we have come to the end of yet another episode of Candid Sharon. I feel like I should uh, add a clapping track right here. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. You know, one of my biggest love languages is quality time. And so just from that, you know, the way I process things, like one of the biggest gifts anyone can ever give me is the gift of their time. And you do that every time you listen to this podcast. So thank you so much. And if you've made it straight to the end of the episode as well, My gosh, you really are the biggest MVP and I really appreciate you for that. So yeah, have a lovely weekend. Get some rest. Text someone you haven't spoken to in a while. Say hi to that person who you blue ticked, whose messages you did not respond. Respond because let me tell you, being on the other end of being blue ticked is not nice. So don't be the blue ticker. Don't do it. Have a lovely weekend. Keep it candid. Keep on sharing. Check out The Bachelorette if you haven't already. And I'll see you next week.